Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Listen to why Paul is not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul doesn't say, I know what I believe. He doesn't say, I know the doctrine I believe in. I know the set of rules I believe in. Paul says, I know whom I believe in. And it makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world that we would know Jesus, that we would know who we believe. Because if I'm believing in Jesus, if my hope is securely planted in Jesus, I know in whom I believe. I know that he's present with me. Did you catch that? Do you understand the difference that Pastor Bill was talking about in the message? There is a huge difference between obeying God because of his rules and obeying God because you love him and don't want to disappoint him. The difference is like having a relationship with a book versus a personal relationship with the author of the book. It's like knowing Jesus versus knowing about Jesus. Let's get to know Jesus better, the whom, not what we have believed. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. He could have had the gospel go forth any way he wanted, but God says, I want those that have been reached by the gospel to go tell those that need the gospel, the gospel. But if you're ashamed, you can't do the very thing that you, that's one of the very purposes of the life of the believer is to, to tell other people. You can't even function as God would have you to because I'm afraid. I love myself so much. I care so much about me and what people might think about me and how they might relate to me. I can't follow the call of God in my life. The greatest thing we can do to make ourselves more useful to God is to die to, die to ourselves. I am the biggest obstacle to God having full access to my life. I am. And when I die to myself, that's why Jesus told the disciples, if anyone wants to follow me, let him do what? Deny himself and then what? Take up his cross. Take up your instrument of death because you're going to die daily. Deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me because you'll never follow me if you don't die to yourself and you're not willing to deny yourself. If you're going to live this life for yourself, you'll never be able to follow me. Yourself will always be in the way of Jesus. And so, again, Paul tells him, don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. Paul saying, look, don't be ashamed of me either. I'm connected to him. I'm in prison for him. Don't be ashamed of me either because there were people that turned away from Paul and he's going to blast them out in this chapter and it's a shame on them. So, um, but he says, but look, share with me in the sufferings. How many Christians try to live a life that avoids suffering when Jesus didn't say to do that? What did Jesus tell his disciples? He guaranteed them that they're going to suffer. We're going to see later in this book that all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But what did Jesus tell the disciples in the, in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, look, when they persecute you, he says, but rejoice when they persecute you and do all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. He didn't say live in such a way that they won't persecute you, they won't bother you, try to avoid it at all costs. He says when they do it, you rejoice and be exceedingly glad. They're not persecuting you because you're being weird. Um, you getting in people's faces and spitting when you talk. Um, but but you're just living for God, right? When you're living a righteous life and you, you know, you, I'm not going to participate in that because I'm, I'm, I'm a believer and I'm, I don't get down like that. I'm not going to be at that function because that's not how I do. Um, you know, and you catch some flack for living like that. God says, you rejoice. Oh, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. 
um, for great is your reward in heaven. And so we can live in such a way, we're trying to avoid that. I don't want them to say this. And God says, man, you, you, it's treasure in heaven that you're missing. I'm trying to reward you. And you're trying to live in such a way that you don't feel it. Paul told Timothy, hey, you come on and share in my sufferings. It might be difficult now, but it'll be worth it then. And so sharing my sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, God's the one that will empower you to withstand and to deal with it. Again, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, that's so important, that nobody gets saved because they were good enough. Nobody obeyed enough. Nobody was good enough. Nobody is saved because I worked really hard. And nobody can give a testimony about how they came to Christ and say, well, you know, I. No, it's wrong. It's not how it happened. Everything that needed to happen for me to be saved, he did it, right? I was lost. He found me. I always try to correct people. I found the Lord. No, 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 no. You were lost. You were blind. He found you. He gave you sight. You know, he, he, you know, he saved you. You were lost. He, he saved you. All these, he did all the work. And now as a recipient of his grace and his goodness in my life, I'm living in response to what God has done. And do you see how different that is? Now I'm in response. Now God has said, look, when you were Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So God says, when you weren't thinking about me, you didn't love me, you didn't know me, your heart wasn't towards me, I died for you then. I came after you then. And so it wasn't you looking for me, right? No one sought the Lord. God sought us out. But now that he's got you, now from this position here, God says, now, so I saved you by grace. But now you get to respond to me. I loved you first. We love him because he what? First love does. God said, I'm the initiator, you're the respondent, but now I get to respond to a God that loved me like that. So what should my response be like? It shouldn't be half-hearted. I shouldn't be holding back. God, when I look at what Jesus did for me, he loved me when I didn't love him. He came after me when I was lost. When I wasn't thinking about him, he came after me, opened my eyes, saved me, didn't gave me second-class status. I look at my life before I was saved and think, I don't even think I should be able to do what I get to do, but God said, I'm gonna even use you after I save. I'm gonna clean you up. I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to give you things to do for me, and I'm going to let you be used by me. It would be wrong from the place that I'm in now to say, but I don't want you to do that in my life, God. I don't want you to have, I, I love you back. Thank you for all that you did. It was, I appreciate it a whole lot. Looking forward to heaven, but now I don't want to talk to them people about you. That wouldn't be right. Would that be fair? Would that be right? That would be wrong. That wouldn't even look like worship. Um, what it should look like for the person that really grasps what God has done. You did that for me, God. You just say, you, you just say what you want. Anything you say, I'll do it. For you guys that have kids, anybody ever seen a kid that was just so happy to get something? Anything you want to do, Dad? Anything? I, I got one. I got a little guy that he, he's he's cheap to, right now. He's cheap to to please, and he just he just wants something and it just anything. You know, I, I give him something. He's so thankful, Dad. Thank you so much. Wait, I'm just I'm gonna help Mom do this and that. And I'm gonna he just it's just his heart is like I want to try to do something to, to please you, to, to earn it back. And I'm like, it's, hey, bro, it's, it's good, but go do that for your mom anyway, you know? But you see the heart. The heart is saying, I, I, I want you to know I really appreciate it, so, so now I'm just going to do anything, and I'm going to even help out my sister and all this kind of stuff. Well, what God has done for us can never be paid back. There's never anything more expensive can be given. There's, another, there's nothing greater could ever be done for us than what Jesus has done. So the one that did that for me says, hey, I want you to tell people about me. Yes, Lord. I don't want you to live like that anymore. Yes, Lord. I want you to stop that thing right there. Get that out of your life. Yes, Lord. I want you to pursue this now. Yes. Yes, Lord. I want you to die to yourself in this area. I want you to love some unlovely people like I loved you when you were unlovely. Yes, Lord. That's to become our new regular. 
Yes, Lord. Yes. And as you read your Bible, you're going to see all the time God saying, do this. Yes, Lord. Stop that. Yes, Lord. He's going to be redirecting your life. That's, that's how we get our minds renewed. That's how our lives begin to be transformed. But if you're an obstinate believer and God is saying, hey, love the No, no not, not after what they did to me, Lord. Mm-mm. You, you don't know what they did to me, Lord. Uh, forgive. No, 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 no. God, I mean, there's a point at which your life is going to look disconnected. Are you saved? Do you understand what he did for you? Do you realize how much he forgave you for? Do you realize how small what they did to you is in comparison to what you've done to him for your whole life? And he's saying, I forgave you of all that. Forgive them of this thing. Can't say no, Lord. Can't say that. You can't say no and then call him Lord. You understand? You can't say the Lord. God can't tell me to do something. I say no and then call him Lord. Because Lord, just the word, it means that you're my master. It means you tell me what to do when I do it. So I can't say no, Lord. It's only yes, Lord. Amen. And so Paul's telling Timothy, you know, he's encouraging him that, you know, God did all this for you by grace. Um, again, the, the last part of, of uh, verse nine, he says he called you according to his own purpose and grace, which he has given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. That God has set his sights on you before time even began. Verse 10. But now have been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. So he abolished death. He took death out of the way for us and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And so the believer, we have immortality. That's why Paul's not afraid of death. Paul says to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. I don't die. I just transfer. So when I shed this tent, I didn't die. I just moved into my mansion. For me to be absent from the body, be present, I have immortality. I don't fear death. Death is how I get to heaven. Death is to be the greatest. For the believer, death will be the greatest thing that ever happened. That's how I get into the presence of God, death. I get to experience God on a level here and now, but death is how I get to heaven. Death is how I get to the next place, the next level in God. And so when I understand that, it, I'm not suicidal. That's not weird. I'm not running out in front of Mack trucks. I'm not looking to die, but we shouldn't be afraid of death. Death shouldn't horrify us um, because for us, death is how I get to heaven. Um, nobody looks forward to death. Nobody enjoys thoughts of that, but for the believer. When someone that's a believer dies, while we'll miss them and love them and be and, and ache for them uh, on our end, that we're going to miss them, that we can rejoice for them and say, but uh, I did my mom's funeral. That was, that was my comfort. Then my mom had gotten saved. So I said, you know what? I'm going to miss her, but she's with the Lord. I had all her bills and stuff left behind. I remember looking at all the stuff she had. I said, she'll never have another bill again. This, this would have stressed her out when it came in the mail, but it's not going to stress her out now. She's in heaven. No bills. You know, there's no suffering, no sorrow, no pain. No, that's where she is. I can rejoice in that. I can, I can be comforted by the knowledge of that. And so Paul says, look, before time began, God had locked you up. God had that in mind. He says, but now but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, again, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed three things. Paul says a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. Real quick, three definitions. A preacher is a, a herald or one that proclaims. The gospel message is to be preached. Uh, we preach the gospel to the unbeliever. So the non-believers, they need to be hearing the gospel from us. Paul says, I'm an apostle. The word apostle simply meant I'm a sent out one. It would most closely relate to those that are doing missionary works where they're going into areas that are untouched with the gospel and bringing the gospel. Paul was a sent out one. He was going out to areas. 
He had apostolic authority. He had received the message from God, but he was going into areas, going into regions that didn't have the gospel and giving them the gospel. He was an apostle, a sent out one, a preacher, proclaimed the message, an apostle, and then a teacher, teaching the word. Teaching is what believers need. If you guys here that are believers came every Sunday and I preached to you the gospel again, you wouldn't grow. You wouldn't know God better. You wouldn't know how to work, walk with the Lord. You wouldn't know how to serve the Lord. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know God very well because you already got the gospel. You're saved. Now you need to be taught. And so we try to make sure all those things happen. Believers are to be taught. We need to have an atmosphere where we can teach the word and teach people uh, the Bible. Walk, as we go chapter by chapter and verse by verse, we also want to proclaim the message because you might bring somebody with you that don't know the Lord. There may always be with us present people that don't know him. We want to proclaim the gospel as well. Um, but you don't want to just do one. You can't show up every Sunday and we preach the gospel and scream at y'all because y'all will be like, I'm saved already. Something else now, you know? Y'all will be tired of that, you know? And you, you, we can't just teach and not give a gospel opportunity because there's always the chance that there are people with us that haven't yet said yes to the Lord. They haven't bowed their knee yet. And we want to give people that opportunity as well because he's always present to save. And so Paul says, I'm a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things Nevertheless, Paul says, I am not ashamed. Listen to why Paul is not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Paul doesn't say, I know what I believe. He doesn't say, I know the doctrine I believe in. I know the set of rules I believe in. Paul says, I know whom I believe. And it makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world that we would know Jesus, that we would know who we believe. Because if I'm believing in Jesus, if my hope is securely planted in Jesus, I know in whom I believe. I know that he's present with me. I know that he's all-knowing. I know he's all-powerful. I know he can do anything. I know that I'm going to be with him for all eternity. I know in who I believe. That's going to enable me to deal with whatever things life may throw at me, whatever trials, whatever persecutions, whatever difficulties. Pause and look, I know in whom I have believed. I'm not arguing doctrinal points and pieces and this and that. I know Jesus. And if you know him, you won't be argued out of him. When someone goes through bad times and they begin to doubt the Lord, I've seen people that something disappointing happened and it's like, well, now I don't know if I believe anymore because, because that happened. Oh, I, I know they don't know him very well. Do you know him? Do you, I know Jesus. I know that his agenda was to save me from hell. So he never promised me that my cars wouldn't break down. So my car break down. I don't say, man, if God loved me, my car wouldn't break down. I don't say that. I just say my car broke down. One day I'm going to get a better car. <laughs> One day I won't need no car. I'll be in heaven, you know. But right now my car broke down and Jesus still loves me. Um, if bad things happen, it can't become the reason why I fall apart. And I doubt him. God says, I came to save you from sin and death. I came to give you eternal life. I came to resurrect your dead self. And so I know in whom I believe. And so in difficulty, I got to cling to that. Tough times right now. But I know in whom I believe. Right? He haven't changed. I'm still going to heaven. And so on my worst day, on the worst day, when the worst things happen, I'm going to heaven when this is over. I'm going to be with Jesus. And if I'm hurting real bad, I can cry out to him and he can give me peace that passes understanding. His Holy Spirit can comfort me with a comfort that's not natural but supernatural. Everything that I need is wrapped up in him. I just go back to him with all my needs. And so he says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. What had Paul committed to him? His life. He said, I'm I know whom I believe, Jesus. And he says, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep what I have committed to him until that day, to the day where I go to be with him. 
Are you persuaded of that? Are you, are you in a place where you would say, I know in whom I believe. I believe in Jesus. And I'm persuaded. Are you persuaded that he's able to keep you until that day? Everything that you've committed. You committed your life to him. Are you persuaded that he can keep it? We need to be persuaded. That, that I'm persuaded in my life. God, you have my life. I'm going to be with you. You're able to keep it until that day. God says in Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. He, he, he finishes what he started. Now, some of y'all are difficult projects, and, and God's going to these spankings and breakings are, are, are in your future, but God's going to finish what he started. We bought a fixer-upper house, and it's all torn up right now. And if you look at it right now, it's like, man, you know, it's, it don't look like much. You know, it's just all just a tore up house right now. But we've done that before and we've seen afterwards. You know, it's like it's a process. Right now it's hoe up from the flow up, literally. Uh, but, but you know what it can be. Um, you know, we're committed to the work. We're going to do it until it's done. Jesus says, look, I, I, I don't, no matter what condition I got you in, I'm committed. Committed to finish what I started in your life. And so what you want to be is an easy, you know, construction site. Um, people that do construction, which you don't want to see, if you're a roofer, you don't want rain. The work comes to a halt. Um, you, you can't, bad conditions, you can't do the work. Some of our lives, we can be that where God's like, I'm going to do the work, but you keep putting up obstacles, you keep, you know, you keep giving me bad weather, and so now I got to break that back down and start over again. Well, you want to be easy. Um, you want to just submit quickly. You are a part of the process. Um, and so that's why some people seem to come along quickly. And other people's like, man, it's been 10 years. It's slow. <laughs> Can we move in yet? You know, it's just it's going real slow in your life. It, it has a lot to do with our willingness to yield to the process. God, go ahead and do your work in my life. You're the one doing the work. I just need to be yielded that you can have your way in my life. Last couple things. Verse 13, last little admonition. He tells Timothy, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus um, when he tells them to hold fast, the idea is that someone's trying to snatch it away. So when he says, hey, hold fast, the pattern of sound words, the sound teaching you got from me, hold it. Why? Because there's somebody trying to snatch it away. There's always going to be a challenge to sound doctrine. So Timothy, hold fast. And that's why he's encouraging Timothy in his character. Man, you can't be, you, you, you can't be timid and you can't be um, easily dissuaded you got to hold fast in the, in the face of adversity. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. And so he says that good thing that God has placed in you, Timothy, keep it by the Holy Spirit. That good thing that God has put in us, we're to keep it by the Holy Spirit. Not by our own might, not by our own power, but God has given us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us that will help us. That's what's going to help me to maintain, to keep, and to do what God has called me to do, his Holy Spirit who lives and works in me. Verse 15, this you know that all those in Asia have turned away from me. And so now Paul is coming to the end of this chapter. He says, hey, everybody left me hanging. Once I got put in prison, everybody turned away. They left me. He says, everybody in Asia turned away from me. And he names two guys, among whom are Phygelius and Hermogenes. Paul says, look, these guys have completely turned away from me. They left me hanging. I mean, they were with me, and then I got in prison, and they just turned away from me altogether. Um, who would want to be someone listed in the Bible for all eternity as someone that left Paul hanging? But the same thing happened to Jesus. When Jesus got taken, everybody left him, right? Fear that it might happen to them too. 
fear that they might endure some of that, they turned away from him. Even his, you know, gangster disciple, Peter, Peter even was ashamed and turned away. And so now it happens to Paul and Paul says, Timothy, don't be ashamed of me. These guys have left me hanging. They, they all have turned away from me. Verse 16, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. That name means help bringer. It's kind of a cool name. Onesiphorus, name means help bringer. It says, look, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. That's the third time we see the word ashamed in the chapter. It says, but when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and he found me. The Lord grant him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. This guy in this afford, as Paul says, is Hermogenes and Phygelius, they, they left me hanging. They turned away from me. So did everybody else in Asia. But he said this on this forest guy. This guy, Paul's praying a blessing. Paul's saying, man, he wasn't ashamed of me. I, I'm praying that God would grant mercy to him and to his whole household, for he often refreshed me. Let me just tell you this. When someone's going through a difficult time, um, it's a very vulnerable, sensitive time in a person's life. And those who are available to minister to them and help them in a tough time, it's, it's, it's going to be remembered. Those that kick you while you're down are going to be remembered. It's just a sensitive time. And so Paul said, look, I'm in prison. Everybody left me hanging. These two guys were with me. They went the other way. But this, oh, this is a forest guy. Listen to what he had to do. He says, first, you know, you couldn't pick up the phone and call. You couldn't send an email. You couldn't FaceTime or Facebook him. He had to go to town. He had to find what prison Paul was in. He had to make his way to go visit. He had to work. And, and so he said he got, he got down here. He sought me out very zealously. That means he had to, he did, you know, there was some zeal and some enthusiasm. He didn't go down there and give a half-hearted effort. You guys know where Paul? No, you don't know? Okay, well, I tried. I, look, I was looking for you, Paul. They, nobody told me nothing. He just kept looking and kept looking and kept looking until he found them. And Paul said he came out here zealously. He looked for me. He found me and he ministered to me and he often refreshed me. Can I encourage you to write down the name of some people that you know right now that are going through it, whatever they may be going through, why ever they may be going through it, that would really be ministered to if you would take out some time just to love on them. You know how cheap it is? It didn't cost you nothing to put a phone call out and just love on somebody or to pay somebody a visit and just show them some love and be kind. It doesn't cost us anything, but it, it could be for some people, it's better than money just to have somebody love on you at a time where you just needed, I needed someone to call right now just to, just to, I needed to hear those things. I needed to, and we should be the ones doing that. Paul says, I was often refreshed. I'm in prison. They treat me bad over here. They don't feed me good. I'm in the, but man, I was refreshed by this guy would come and I would just, I would just be refreshed in my spirit. And Paul was thankful, thankful enough to write it down for all history that he, we would know. And so I asked you to write down earlier that thing that you've been afraid to do. And I hope you did it and I hope you're going to tell somebody before you go. But I also want you to write down someone or someone. That, where do people come to mind that you know of and you say they would really be refreshed? I got to do it too. Um, as I was putting this together, I have an aunt that's 104, my Aunt Bobby. She's a believer, doing good. I haven't been to see her in a while, but whenever I go to every aunt, I'm the favorite. You know, She called me Rosie Greer. I need to go see her and refresh her and just be a blessing and go hang out with her. You write down somebody that would just be blessed because you came by and you spent some time showing them some love and then you make that your business this week. Nothing you're gonna get in return. You're not looking for anything in return. You're just going on a mission. I'm gonna go show Jesus love to someone that needs it and let them be refreshed, amen?
been listening to A Transforming Word as Pastor Bill Buffington has moved into 2 Timothy. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a young preacher that he has trained in the gospel. Paul's life was characterized by suffering as he went through the world preaching the gospel to hostile crowds, and he didn't want Timothy to lose heart because of it. In 2 Timothy 1.13, he reminds a young pastor, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Have you ever seen a believer you respect suffer at the hands of others, maybe unbelievers or even Christian leadership? How did you feel? Were you tempted to lay low? Or did you guard the good deposit you have been given? We're so glad you're here today on A Transforming Word. This program is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. We believe that life is done better in community, and we'd love to have you be a part of ours. We're located in Inglewood, California. If you're in the area, we would love to see you this coming Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. or on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. You can find all the information you need at calvaryinglewood.org. Once again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, poke around a bit and discover everything we have for you. Thanks for being here today. We've come to the end of our time together, but we'll be back again next time, and we hope you'll be too for a transforming word. 